Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 371. All right, guys, Comic-Con is fast approaching. Um, I'm going to be releasing the panel schedule. I'm going to be moderating a bunch of panels, and uh, we're going to have a Nerdist panel. And then uh, uh, also we're doing our live podcast Saturday night at the Balboa Theater, uh, Saturday night of Comic-Con. We, of course, The Force. <laughs> it is going to be a busy, busy chunk for us, so please come join us at any or all. Why not all? Don't answer that. Uh, you can go to StarWars.com slash Course of the Force to get information on how to run in costume for charity for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, and if you go to Nerdist.com slash Calendar, you can find the link that will get you tickets to the Baboa Theater. And it's it's close to sold out. Katie, it's close to sold out. Good. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then uh, I'll be in Philly on the 27th, 28th, and 29th of June. So again, Nerdist.com slash Calendar for tickets to that and then other stuff coming up in the fall. I would like to thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, LegalZoom.com. Um, you're probably some kind of innovator. You've probably created something. You've probably invented a thing. Well, trademark that stuff. Incorporate. Form an LLC. Do it all at LegalZoom.com. They've helped about a million businesses get started right. They can definitely help you celebrate innovation with LegalZoom. And for a limited time, get a special price on trademark and copyright applications by using the referral code NERDIST at checkout. Protect your creations launch your dream at LegalZoom.com uh, unless your dream is that you're riding on the back of uh, a flying pegacorn which is a f- essentially a flying unicorn um, if you I don't know if you'll be able to make that happen but maybe you could copyright a version of that I don't know you decide LegalZoom can provide self-help services at your specific direction or they can connect you to an attorney but they are not a law firm don't forget to use the referral code NERDIST, LegalZoom.com. We thank them for sponsoring today's episode, which is Fred Willard, who was on the podcast, um, I guess, the first year of the podcast. We did a live show at uh, Largo with Fred and Tom Kinney, and uh, it was great. And so Fred's Fred's come back. Fred is currently on an episode of Family Tree on HBO, which is uh, Chris O'Dowd, and it's a Christopher Guest show. And Fred Willard's on it, so it is available. It, it's already aired. If you if you have the HBO Go app, you can go watch it uh, on HBO Go. And uh, Fred is absolutely a you just you just want to hug the guy and be like, "Come in for tea, Fred. Let's talk for a while." This is one of those podcasts that I feel like if I hadn't stopped it at an hour, that we would probably still be talking to Fred because he's just a really interesting guy. So here you go. This is the Nerdist Podcast, uh, episode number three seventy one. With Fred Willard. 
Now entering Nerdist.com. Fred Willard, welcome to our podcast again. You were on the first year of the podcast. I think I was. You and, uh, I think it was you and Tom Kenny. Yes, indeed. And Tom did a, a, a musical number, if I remember. He was doing SpongeBob songs. SpongeBob, well, was it? Yeah. As SpongeBob. Ooh, SpongeBob what? SquarePants. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if, which SpongeBob. No. <laughs> Not the uh, Philadelphia SpongeBobs. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is just SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay. But I think it's sort of, I think people. In general, I think people loved it, but some people always get a little freaked out when they see the human who does the cartoon voice. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. The, that they're always used to seeing. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of friends who do cartoon voices, and it's a, an amazing thing. All over the world, they're flown into these different cities. They meet people, sign autographs, and get paid a small fortune. Yeah. Mm. That people would not only be a fan of, of the cartoon, but it'd be a fan of the performer who does the voice. Of the cartoon, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's got to be a good feeling for those people because it's yeah. like it, it seems so kind of anonymous in a way mm-hmm. that no one ever knows who you are. But like you know, the, the fact that the real fans kind of seek out the person who does it and is a yeah. fan of that person. Yeah, it's great. Have you done a lot of voiceover stuff? I have done uh, quite a few things. Yeah, and it's it's uh, a lot of fun. I, I enjoy it. I don't have a big range of voices, so I usually end up just being myself. <laughs> <laughs> Could you be an Australian waiter? Uh, Australia is one of the few, <laughs> one of the many uh, dialects I can't do. Could you it, it be, end up being English? Yeah, could you be a British waiter? Yes, what do we have there? <laughs> what, what do we have there? Where did Fred go? <laughs> I was just talking Fred to Fred. Is. He's right here. He's just doing a voice. No. I'm, oh, I'm right here. That was oh, yeah, Fred, you're live. Fred, you just missed the waiter. Did you want something? We didn't I order did. anything. Waiter, yes, uh, you've had a chance to order, and I'm on my break. Oh. Well, uh, Boy, they have an attitude. Yeah, they really for us, do. they'd they be speaking German. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that isn't a beautiful language. It's like it's like an auto xenophobia. Yeah, I'm mad at myself for being uh, pretending to be another culture. <laughs> it's hilarious. What are you working on now? What's going on? Well, I uh, this uh, we're, this family tree, the Christopher Guest uh, series on HBO. Yes, I think my episode is coming up. Uh, well, th- my three out of four episodes are coming up this these next four weeks. And I think that's doing well. That's great. Christopher Guest. I worked with Ed Begley Jr., Chris O'Dowd. And I like that Chris O'Dowd. He's terrific. Yeah, yeah. he's really funny. He's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you guys all work together now, is it pretty much like, oh, yeah, this thing. Like, it's so easy. And it's Not like... really. It's always a challenge. <laughs> I always uh, uh, compare it to walking a, a tightrope. You may know how to do it, but you never know if a wind is going to blow or right. something's going to distract you. And then... Uh, there's that fall, and uh, so it, it's. Um, but this is more. This one was a little more scripted by by Christopher Guest than a lot of the movies I did by him, where you just get a few pages and here's where you appear, uh, and you start to talk. So he he pretty much directed me exactly uh, what to do, pretty much what to say, and then then you're pretty much on your own. Well, did, at any point did you grab the script and go, this isn't how it used to be, and then like throw the pages in In my mind, in I him? said that once. <laughs> <laughs> I, looked at, I saw the crew, and he said, okay, we're turning around to do uh, 
uh, reverse angles. Reverse angles? <laughs> Who are you? I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> this shit's changed, man. <laughs> do you still like improv? Do you still do you still? Oh, it scares me to death. Uh, no, I, I I don't particularly enjoy watching it. I don't. Uh, it's fun if you hit a streak. If you get up there and you you hit a subject that you you, you just can't stop things from flowing. It's it's yeah. great. Um, and when you see wonderful improvisation, it's a it's a crowd pleaser. But I my preference is to see a, a written sketch. I like sketch shows, something that's been written, uh, rewritten, polished, and and not just. It's like to me, it's like watching someone who can type two hundred words a minute. It's fantastic, you know, improv. Yeah, but uh, it makes me nervous. I gotta say, you know, when people they go, oh, improv is like the scariest thing. I think sketch is way harder because at least with improv you can sort of bounce around if you need to, uh-huh. but but with sketch all the beats have to work and make sense, and then it and then it has to end in a way once, that makes sense. And then once you start and people aren't digging it, you still have to finish it. There's no there's no emergency exit in a sketch. It's like know? a song in a weird sort of way. Yeah. If people hate it. Then, and, but at least with music they can sort of like, well, I, this is dumb, but at least I'll just I can just tune out to the to the to the music. Yeah, yeah. Well, with sketch show the key is if you if you got a good uh, uh, lights and sound guy. Who can come in with really loud music? Yeah. 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 That's a, a good out. A yeah. lame, yeah. Same in an improv. If you go to Second City, I mean, I was always amazed. You see the shows or at the Acme. Yeah, the the big thing is that guy on the piano or the organ you know, right. playing the music, and he's got that underlying music, and then you know, builds to the end, and then bam, and you think you've seen something great <laughs> um, when it's actually just the music. Yeah. It's a, there's a, there's something to like a lighting guy at an improv show though. It's like they have to be just in, they have to be paying attention and just in tune to the to the you know the to beats know and the game to, to know out. where to just black it out, which is yeah. like you know yeah, it's always impressive to see. It's a whole it's a whole talent to, to do yeah. that. You got to know the actors and uh, or if it's a slow fade or just a blackout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then you're afraid the actors gonna say, "Wait a minute, yeah, <laughs> add another beat," <laughs> <laughs> and then the lights came back on, <laughs> and the lights came back on. Ah <laughs> oh, man, I didn't know if I was supposed to. Yeah. Like Jimmy from UCB, he's he's great at it. Yeah, they, yeah. he's well, he's been doing that. He's he's been with that group forever. But yeah. you really have to. You either have to have someone who's an improviser, or at least someone who's been with the group. He's he's almost like yeah, that guy. Even though you don't see him, is like the 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 ex member of the group, like yeah. the, the other whatever the he's extra like the guy is. Yeah, yeah. Do you miss doing? Do you want to do live stuff? Do you ever miss doing? Live? We do. I do a lot of uh, live stuff. Uh, I kind of semi run a, a sketch comedy group. Uh, my wife is pretty active in it. What we do, we meet once a week and aim to have a show at the Second City Theater on Hollywood Boulevard yep. about once a month. We'll miss every few months. But um, it, it's uh, every, we, any, from any, at any one night, you'll have 20 to 40 people in the, in the room that come in, bring their sketches. You cast it right on the spot. Everyone tries to be supportive. That's funny. Maybe you could add this. Maybe you could add that. And the best sketches we put in the show. And it's uh, a, a little scary. It, there's no improv. And I usually say when I'm introduced, the only improv you'll see if someone goes up in their lines. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we got a good music guy, a good, a good lighting guy that works with us just before the show and knows where just to punch up and sound effects. And, uh, and, and uh, in and out in 45, 50 minutes. And it's, it's really fun. It keeps you sharp. And I, I really enjoy it. I've always, and it's all sketch. I've always liked that. Didn't you, do, uh, didn't you uh, guest host uh, the Midnight Show? 
uh, the sketch show over at uh, UCB Theater. I, the, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that, they're a great group. They, it's like uh, they have a brand new sketch show. That's Hal Rudnick's show, right? Uh, yeah, Hal Rudnick, uh, Heather Ann Campbell. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just got like like Joe Bart Chandler, like a bunch of like great performers and writers that I'll just. I didn't mean it was just his show. Oh no, I mean, no, yeah, no, but yeah, 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 then like all the, yeah, there's like a bunch of great people. I I, I guess also did it a couple months ago, and it's just like. They all bring so many sketches every month, and like they sit know, around a table preparing like a business yeah. meeting, and they yeah. have so many sketches, so many. Like the, every month, they have so many. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's and it's, it's really fun, and they get into that UCB theater, and it's uh, hardly even standing room only. It's people sitting yeah, people sometimes on it. stage. Yeah, yeah, it's a real chaotic show too. Like they just. They, it's you know they're they're all so in tune with each other that it's just like there's, it's like a rock and roll show. There's like that energy to it. Yeah, yeah. Do you would if you could do any kind of show? Would you rather do uh, a sitcom or would you rather do a sketch show? Oh boy, good. It'd have to be an awfully good sitcom. Uh, it's so tough. I, I like a sketch. Or what I like about sketches, uh, if you don't like the, the the plot or the characters. You know, wait a minute. It's another thing. <laughs> you get in a sitcom if someone doesn't like the character or uh, uh, the way it's going. As I, as you say, you're stuck for what twenty two minutes here, and then yeah. I don't think I'll tune in next week. Um, the sitcom format it's it's interesting to me that they're still like every year. I just expect them to go. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> There's no more sitcom premises that we can really yeah. do anymore. Yeah. Well, that's why they're pressing the envelope now. Everything is a little. Raunchier, a little more further out, a little more, uh, you know. Oh God, could they say that? Can we do is that? Yeah. Do you do you feel like that's because? Because uh, I I constantly uh, I'm I'm constantly disappointed in myself because I just write dirty. Like I I just I'm just I just have a filthy brain, and I always like God. Why can't I be cleaner? Why can't I write cleaner? Funny because I think there's that that Cosby idea of like you know filth is a crutch, but it seems harder and harder to take turns to surprise the audience yeah you know i don't know and it's just part of our vernacular now yeah yeah it it, it is it is tough to to come up with an idea for a sketch uh, that's never been done never been seen uh that'll surprise you a lot of times it depends i've found in doing our shows it'll depend on a funny character uh in a sketch yeah. a very colorful character uh, what Saturday Night Live does that too? That's what, what they. Yeah, and then the, you can uh, just this for. person in this situation. Yeah. Oh, is. here, here he comes again. The yeah, guy with yeah. the big hat. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> <That> <laughs> was... We have that in the, with the uh, in our in our show. We get some guy comes in with a character, and uh, we say, "God, you've got to do another sketch with that. You know, bring that character mm-hmm. on, which can carry the sketch." Yeah. Yeah. I'm just. We just watched last night the uh, Richard Pryor uh, special. Oh, I've heard Showtime. a lot about it. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing how he started out very clean, then he went very dark, then he uh, he had you had to be clean in the '60s pretty much if you wanted to do television. Yeah, and uh, but he didn't want to be just another uh, bland stand-up guy, so he went in the other direction. Well, also his life. I mean, it, you know the just the this this the material that he was talking about. It, when he sort of made that turn and like he really just started talking about his life and it's just that all that stuff was kind of dirty and gritty and it's sort yeah. of like that was the context whereas it's sort of like whereas Cosby was like he's talking about his family and his kid you know when um, when Jim Gaffigan made sort of made the decision to like you know I'm not going to really be dirty on stage it's because he's like why would I need to swear when I'm talking about salads you know yeah. like it's just sort of the material kind of 
But I don't think there's anything wrong with dirty or raunchy or anything like that. It's like, you know, some comics I loved growing up are really dirty. And it's it, there's a place for, you know, it's like there's only not there's not only like one type of music. There's, you know, very different many shades. And I think dirty is just another thing that's just as fun to watch. Yeah, well, yeah. I remember uh, years ago, uh, Red Fox, if you remember him, he yes. had, they called them under the counter albums. You couldn't buy them or Records, so you have to ask for him. Oh, wait here, we got one in yeah. the back room, and they were very dirty. And he used to have a club on La Cienega, and I'd go to see it. And he was just really funny. It was just great, very blue. My only objection is if it's very blue material is forced on an audience that isn't expecting it. Sure, I've done some charity shows. You know, where <laughs> people come dressed very nicely, and it's a wonderful, you know, charity. Yeah. We'd give them mon- uh, money, and uh, uh, I do one for uh, myeloma. Mm-hmm. And you get doctors and people who donate to it, people who are suffering from myeloma, and they come in. And you get some great com. You get, um, uh, well, Richard Lewis. Uh, everybody loves Raymond. Who Ray, 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 No, no, oh. Brad. Oh, Brad Ray, Garrett. Ray yeah, gets yeah. a little blue, but yeah, yeah. it's always funny blue. Brad Garrett is just... He just decimates an audience. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you start, if you go to see him... He had his own club in in Vegas. And you go to see him, that's what you're expecting. So there's no holds barred, and it's wonderful. People come in with a drink, and I I picture a cigarette. I don't think you can smoke in a club anymore. (laughs) But he just kills. But when you see it on stage and you see these 50, 60-year-old people sitting there, oh, isn't this a wonderful event? And suddenly you're talking about uh, you know anal sex and uh, <laughs> blowjobs and Jesus whoa oh, oh what what did he say? It gets hard too because you know at, like me and uh, me and Kumel just did uh, we had to host this uh, cancer benefit show. Um, there was a friend. Why of ours. would you want to help cancer? Yeah. <laughs> that is that's a terrible well, idea. No, it's, it's got a bad rap. It really yeah, yeah. is. It's got a bad rap. That's just thing. It's you a whole new the cam- wrong side. It's a new campaign to try and see you know, put a smile on cancer. No. Um, yeah. Um, and but like it was like for a friend of ours. That was a survivor of t- t- testicular cancer, and they were giving him an award for his, you know, him helping out with cancer awareness and and stuff like that. And so it was just in this big. It was in an old hangar. It was in like an airplane museum in Santa Monica at the Santa Monica Airport, and it was just like that. All the people in front were just cancer survivors in tuxedos, oh. and then like, and then when you get on stage, it's like you're in your head just going, "Don't." Don't be blue. Don't make cancer jokes. And like uh, it's all you can think of. So you just end up getting real tight, and you can't you can't handle it. It was real, really awkward. Well, the, you feel like the stakes are much higher emotionally. But I, but I feel like, you know, in in general, um, you know, I, I don't I don't think anyone would want to feel like it, and almost in a way, you don't want to be patronizing because no one wants that. Yeah, it was right after like a really emotional speech where people were crying. Oh yeah, and it was just like, and now can't. time for the comedy. Uh, and like Hitler was there. Really it was just, yeah, it was real real weird. How'd it go? It was fine. You know, we were making our friends laugh. I like I, I made uh, like I made a Breaking Bad reference, and it just went flat. And I was really expecting it to be the big one. Oh, you thought uh, they would really connect? With yeah, that. yeah. And we made a bunch of like you know one testicle jokes that seemed to do pretty well. <laughs> that seemed to do pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it's considering. Yeah, the people who, who looked around and said, "Well, I've, I've got both testicles, so I can laugh." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the guys yeah. with one testicle had to laugh to be good sports. Yeah, exactly. and you never want to be like yeah. this motherfucker knows what I'm talking. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, because it was no. for a, Jack, a friend of ours, Jack Hergoth, and like it was a. Uh, he was like the one that got me a pilot for Comedy Central a while back, and like um, I was like, when this guy offered me a pilot Comedy Central, I was like, this guy's got ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great joke. Yeah, yeah. That is, then, that's a great joke. Then if you get a heckler with a very high voice, I'd kill to have one testicle. <laughs> <laughs> you think you have problems? <laughs> you think you, Nick, have problems? <laughs> hey. 
Hey, well hey, done. Thank you. Well done. It is comedy in the, you know, it is, it is, it is sort of the, um, it, it really can be powerful in that sense of this is the thing that we all are trying to deal with and it can, it can take the tension out of it. But it is that, you know, it's a dicey road, you know. Well, it's, you it's, make a joke. I mean, it's like the old thing about someone who's in a wheelchair. You open the door for them or some. do they get annoyed? Uh, I can handle it myself. Yeah. I remember once years ago, I was living in Hollywood, and there was a guy with a wheelchair. I was going down the, oh, I, he was going down the street, and I thought, he, he seemed to be going to the market down the corner. I said, I should just go up and say, look, let me wheel you down there. You'll get there quicker. But I never did. I thought maybe he might uh, react badly. Well, that's what I you can do just, it myself. You just do it, and you don't say anything. Yeah. Oh, just grab the wheelchair. Yeah. Well, yeah. that could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just start Here we go. Just you start know. singing. <laughs> it is. It is that sort of... Uh, because you don't want to be the annoying person who's like, you go, I'm going to be helpful, and then you just make everything way worse. Yeah. Like when uh, when we were in when Mike, my my friend Mike and I were in college, Mike Furman, we were in Westwood, and and uh, there were a lot of homeless people in Westwood, and so Mike was walking by this guy who was sitting on the sidewalk, and the guy had a Coke cup, and so Mike just had some change and oh. he dropped it in the cup and the guy <laughs> just looked down and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? And Mike was like, oh no! Like he was just a guy, like uh, all Mike saw yeah. was just the cup out, which was not an uncommon thing to see in Westwood. Yeah. And he, the guy just was on a break or something and Mike uh, just put his change in the guy's cup. I want to just start doing that. I just want that to be a trick now. If you just see someone with a cup, just throw money throw in money. it. Throw money, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It, it may not go well at the moment, but afterwards yeah. it's a great story. I think in a, a couple months after, your eye clears up and your, <laughs> your nose much, is healed. It's, for, it's not for that immediate audience. No, it's, no, for no. The, it's for the bigger audience. Yeah, you'll get it on the way home. Have you, do, do, you feel that, uh, do you feel that comedy's changed or evolved anyway in the, in, in the last you know, couple of decades? Or do you feel like, oh, it's always... You know, when every generation thinks that they're new and edgy or whatever, really they're doing the same stuff. Um, we get a lot of new people that come into our group, and we love to have uh, 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 new people and see their take on things. But after a while, I've, you realize that it's just a different take on something that's been funny for years. Yeah, it, You can, as I say, push the envelope further. Uh, you can use more graphic language. You can touch on subjects you never could before. Um, if you ever hear, you know, I listen to comedy uh, radio a lot on serious radio. Every once in a while, they'll put on a Henny Youngman tape. And if you ever listen to him, it's actually funny how there's actually no segue from one joke to the other. <laughs> Versus his wife, then his mother-in-law. Then, then I was standing in front of him, hey, here's another thing. And it, it, it almost gets funny uh, at, for that. But each one, you know, today comics kid themselves about not having a good segue. You know, I'll hear a comic say, well, that was no segue there. Yeah, yeah. And some of the other night I heard I had a good one. He says, speaking of funny. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, uh, you can explore more, more topics and... Uh, just stretch the envelope more. I think that's the only, uh, that's the only thing. And there's more things to make fun of. What uh, the internet, cell phones. Uh, you know, back in, when I was a kid, the only thing was you know, a comic would come out with a tuxedo and a lot of rings, just up from Miami Beach. And hey, what else? You talk about the mother, the mother-in-law. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. His car broke down, and that, that's about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I if guess only we, there was some worldwide yeah. web of information that we all yeah. shared that I, I could make fun of. I guess because there's more mass knowledge about more things, there's more to for people to relate to. There's nowadays. more people to relate to, but also the the down the downside to that is now everyone has seen everything. It's harder yeah. to surprise people because they just have you know just everything in their pocket, literally everything that you like. All of our knowledge, all of our entertainment, all of everything is just is just right here. And yeah. and bef- and before, I think it was 
maybe they were talking about a, like the breadth of topics were smaller, but also people's uh, breadth of knowledge was smaller. Yeah. So, and and so it was easier yeah. to surprise them. Like yeah. the the guy doing the mother-in-law jokes in Miami, it's like uh, other people, you know, in another city probably hadn't heard those yet. Yeah. yeah. But now everyone's heard everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. What what happened? The first way, well, there was Red Fox. And then Lenny Bruce, I, uh, when he came along, I mean, he just touched on subjects that nobody ever ever touched on. I remember I was very young, and someone said, you got to hear this guy's album. And he's talking about uh, the Pope coming to the Catholic Church. You never heard this stuff, talking about Hitler, making jokes about Hitler. And that's the, But he came in with a whole wave uh, that wasn't particularly uh, blue. You know, Bob Newhart, Mort mm-hmm. Saul, Nicholson May. But uh, then there's different waves that come along. Monty Python uh, changed how you look at sketch comedy. There didn't have to be a punchline at the end. It's just someone to come in and say, "Stop this foolishness right here!" <laughs> too silly. Um, or they would just focus on something on the desk, and then that that thing yeah. would be the thing that would drive the next sketch. It would, just, yeah. it would always probably be just like, uh, "We don't know how to end it. Just get Gilliam to do something weird." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally. I think yeah. that, I think yeah. they really did. But what's very popular now is improvisation, and I finally realized what what I think it's very popular because the audience becomes part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to see, uh, when Second City, I, I spent a year at Second City, and I was in Vegas, and they'd have a Second City show, and one night I went, and it was the, the guy at the door says, it's our all improv night. I said, oh, Christ, I didn't want to see it. <laughs> 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 uh, so I went in anyway, and they started out with a few blackouts, uh, good laughs, and uh, then I realized they'd asked the audience for suggestions. And if some guy's suggestion was taken, and his whole table, then they were in on it. They loved it. It didn't have to be that funny, but, oh, he took up my suggestion. So it gets the audience um, involved. Yeah. And so the audience feels like they're really part of the show. That's what audiences want to be, part of the show. Yeah. Well, it's fun. I mean, with, with, with stand-up, I'd say about 40% of my show is just screwing around with the audience. And the, the, what can be hard is to follow your crowd work with jokes that you wrote that are not about that audience uh. because they're so engaged and all of a sudden you're like, Frozen peas are strange, you know, or yeah. whatever, whatever you go into. Yeah, the idea. Note to self, right? Great frozen pea yeah. bit. But it's just like, yeah, like there's a thing you do sometimes, you know, in stand up where you go up and you just like, I'm just going to, you know, riff around, be in the moment, be like, uh-huh. have everyone know that you're there with them in that space and time. And then it's just, there's always that awkward jump where you just like, and then maybe they don't feel that you are jumping into material, but you know it and you just reek of it. <laughs> you know, just that pre planned, like, uh, here we go. What's what's sort of the perfect sketch show for you? Is it? Uh, do you have any interaction with the crowd at all? Or? Well, I usually talk to them. We we open with a uh, a number. Uh, uh, a couple of shows we open. We have a guy who does a great. He's in. Uh, does a lot of uh, Richard Horvitz. He does. He does a lot of voices, and he's one of the guys I'm talking about that flies all over the world and, and signs autographs. He does Gracie Allen. We have, we have uh, Bill Farmer, who's goofy at uh, down in Disneyland. And he did uh, George Burns. So we opened the show with Burns and Allen just talking. That was spot on. The guy does Gracie Allen bought, went out and bought a dress and a wig. Then they introduced me. I come out and I talk to the audience because I feel they probably want to. It's a small theater. So um, uh, it kind of break the, the, the wall there. And um, talk not, not too long because I, I don't. I can't be that funny for that long. Maybe a minute, minute and a half. A joke about the theater. So, and it's hard to mix stand-up with sketch stuff because it's. Uh, uh, and then uh, the perfect show is some uh, some very thoughtful sketches, some very physical sketches, and then we have the. Uh, I have a friend, T. Sean Shannon, who yeah, I know T. Sean, yeah. yeah. 
And um, he comes in with some very blue material, mm -hmm. but always funny. So we try to sh close the show. Uh, so in case people in the audience uh, don't want to hear, and we found our crowd doesn't want to hear too much blue material. You know, yeah. you can see that uh, at, at the uh, the improv, the comedy store. So a lot of times I find our audience gets get a little uh, offended if it gets too too graphic. But the last couple of sketches can be pretty blue, and then we're out. Good night. Thanks for coming. Yeah, and then. Yeah. It also lets the younger people in the crowd know, oh, this isn't, uh, you know, they can still get blue material. Right. Which is important. You don't want to be uh, like the church, uh, you know. <laughs> Sunday we're going to have Christian comics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, All clean family comedy. That's right. Or just not comedy. <laughs> isn't it crazy how much the Lord loves you? Yeah. <laughs> what? I hear a few of those on... Uh, Oh, on the comedy radio? I mean, yeah, and it's very interesting. It's very unusual. And yet, a lot of times, I'll go to a show, and I'll, for 40 minutes, be laughing, and suddenly realize there hasn't been a blue a blue line said there, if they don't announce it. Yeah. Then if they announce it, then you're aware of it. Oh, it yeah. could be funny. Well, if you're, I mean, if if you're in the, if you're, if you're of the, that, you know, whatever sort of religious community... Whoever's, you know, it's probably very funny to those to the people because yeah. they all at least yeah. understand the references and they understand the mindset of it. If you're an outsider, yeah, there are, there are Christian comics that just like you know just just like that that have huge careers, just like Christian rock, you know. Right. There's like there's bands that make millions of dollars and comics that make tons of money, but you'll never hear oh. about them because it's a very segmented part of the population. Christian rock is Chris Rock's religious comedy. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Don't sit on it. Just move along. Just oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, if it weren't racist, I'd riff the character. Damn it! <laughs> Damn these constraints. I get it. Chris Rock. Chris, <laughs> Chris, <laughs> what would happen if Chris Rock decided to perform in front of a... I would do a minute on that, but I can't do Chris Rock. I can't no. do it. You can do Chris Rock. No, I can't. I can't even really do his voice. I can't right. really do his voice without. Yeah, a good way to get into it is just one rib. You just gotta say that. <laughs> it's a line from a movie. It is. Yeah. No, you're allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. I think we're really yes. yes. Yes, you are. You yes. are indeed allowed to do that. I, I, it's it. There is that sort of comic thing though when you feel the audience is getting a little uncomfortable. When I think when you're a younger comic, you're like, oh. What I really need to do is push them farther. <laughs> It'll get funny eventually, uh -huh. and it, like it rarely ever works out in the positive in, yeah. in that sense. There is that. But Bill Burr is good that way. That comedian Bill Burr, where he uh, just you know he starts off a premise by pushing people away. He's unique though because he is an exceptional. Like you have yeah. to be Bill Burr's level of comic. Yeah, yeah. To be able to do that and to be able to really. Not just ride the wave of the audience, but actually create the wave pool and then ride the wave <laughs> of the audience, which is a whole separate, whole separate thing. How do how do comics today stand up? What's their big thing to break in? Doing uh, like the Letterman show, or is that because I see a lot of comics and I watch them, I say they're very funny, but then you don't hear anything else about it. But of course, I don't. I, I hesitate to go to a, a stand-up comedy show yeah. because I've gone to some and you can hit some very unfunny comics waiting for your your favorite comic to come on. So what's the best step if you're a young comic? You, you, I'm sure you, you want to get on uh, Conan or Letterman. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's weird because uh, I, I, I've done Conan and it's uh, it's it just seems like very happenstance. It's just, you know, it's one of those things you just kind of keep on plugging away. Yeah. And uh, what I think that, and this is kind of like, it, it sounds, you have to perform as much as you like hang out. I think mm -hmm. hanging out is a big part of it because, you know, if you uh, do a show and you kill and then you're gone, no one's going to have a chance or opportunity to go like, hey, you should come and do this show. 
Uh-huh. And then it's like maybe a better show. And then that's like the one that maybe the Conan or Letterman guys go to. Uh-huh. And stuff like that. But so it's real all very happy. It doesn't really, I mean, it's a, it's a cool thing to, I mean, if you're a comic, you want to do the shows, you know? I don't think it really helps so much anymore. It's, well, I mean, it's like, it's cool. It's a cool thing to do. And of course, you know, you want to have your checkbox of things that you've done as a comic that sort of legitimize you. You're like, yeah. oh, he's done this, yeah. he's done this. But it's it's pretty rare that any one performance on anything, especially now, really changes anything. Yeah, someone was just telling me, uh, I was doing an interview, and someone was telling me, like, well, you know, a lot of comics think this, you know, doing a half hour, uh, which I just did, like like a half hour would, like, change your career benefit. And I, I said, uh, I said, really, all it is in the end is just, like, another thing for them to put on uh, after your name on a flyer. That's, like, really, in well, the end, it's just like a, and then he was on this. Like, yeah, that's it. That's the only real like it's benefit our, you get. It's the comedian equivalent of like, uh, you know, MA or PhD or uh, yeah, 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 exactly. On, well, that's a little ad, and you see, you go yeah. to a town. There's a comedy club, so and so, as seen on David Letterman, yeah. and I'm sure that will draw people out. Say, oh, he's he's at least funny enough to be on Letterman. Yes. Yeah, it's not just a complete uh, amateur who's going to waste my time. Yeah. yeah. So that's the that's. Do you do you have any? Would you ever want to tour at all, or do you? Like- I did that years ago when I was uh, it. it uh, it was. I was on a show, Fernwood Tonight. Of course, and I, and we talked about this on before. Yeah, that show's and, uh, amazing. Yeah, and I went out, and some guy who had a club in San Francisco kept urging me to, to, to come up and do the show uh, uh, by myself, and I didn't have enough nerve to do that. I went up with a band. We did some music, and I did some stand-up comedy. And it was great when people come to see it because they know you. Everything yeah. works. Everything. And as I look back, I could have done more stuff because they were just there, not to judge you, but then if, every once in a while you hit an audience... That doesn't know who you are. It's midnight on Saturday night. They've had a few drinks, and I just didn't uh, enjoy it. I didn't like. I, I didn't have the feeling of I'm going to stay on until I get these people. I don't. They don't like me. I don't. Uh, okay. I don't Good evening. Thanks for coming. Uh, and uh, go to a, another place. So yeah, I. I uh, to, to answer long answer to a short question. No, I, I wouldn't consider. Yeah, I might if someone. Uh, it, it would depend on what kind of places. Yeah, mm. San Francisco is a great comedy town. That was the place when the things when Robin Williams came out of there. Every every place was a comedy uh, club. Every yeah. every street had a, a comedy cellar, the comedy bar, and the comedy uh, Cobb's Comedy Club is still there. That's Cobb's is still there. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's um, I think I'm playing Cobb's in the fall. It's a big, it's a giant room. Uh-huh. It, to co- the Cobbs now it used to be like a tiny little room. Oh, really? On the on the you know like down in the water by the water uh, near the pier, and um, I think the room caught fire or something, and then they were like, <laughs> and it like, wasn't close enough to the water. <laughs> the <hell>? uh, <laughs> no, it's, blackout, <laughs> and it's uh, it wasn't close enough to the fucking water. That's a problem. Lights, where are the lights? It's supposed to go out now. I love the joke, Fred. Can you cut out fucking? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work without it. I don't think now I can listen. fucking do that. Now listen, uh, was it? yeah, I've worked uh, Cobbs. I was there with Martin Mall. We did a, a tribute to a, 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 a Fernwood Tonight, yeah. And then I do something called, uh, in their own words, uh, Celebrity Autobiography. Yep. I don't know if you've heard that. You get about six actors, and you read from celebrities' autobiographies. <laughs> and the, the guy, the producer, picks out the funniest segments that these celebrities have written, assuming the book is going to be aimed just at their fans. But some of them sound ri- pretty ridiculous out of context. But anyway, we did several shows there at Cobb's Comedy Club in um, San Francisco. And it's a great room. It just seems to fill up for anything. And they come to see comedy, and they're great. Yeah. yeah. Well, it fills up if you're you. 
It's not. Uh, it can be a little tricky sometimes. <laughs> it can be a little tricky. It is a big room. It is. High how big is it? It, it holds. Like um, six. How fucking big is it? I'm just saying. Fred, Fred's so new big direction. fucking room. What do I know? It's so big. The Giants were playing the Dodgers. We didn't fill the place. It's a big room there. <laughs> they played indoors. It was a big booking. We thought it'd go well. I think the idea is to Small try game. to see if you can use the f word, but not, but make it feel weird in the sense that. Um, that tonally and contextually, you wouldn't expect it. You're like, how many, how many fucking people do you think that fucking Cobbs holds? <laughs> how cute is this fucking baby? That's a very cute fucking baby. Yeah. You're fucking cute for fucking asking me about your fucking baby. Fuck you, fucker. Oh, you're fucking adorable. How about we were having fucking premarital sex? <laughs> I was being fucking yeah. intimate with my lady friend. <laughs> we were having fucking love. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. We were making fucking love. love. <laughs> yeah, well, that is a whole... Uh... You're the light of my fucking life. <laughs> I fucking love you. <laughs> We were making anal fucking sex, <laughs> but why did you leave the last part? It just, it just fucking... I like to I like to use it with with like a word that's really tame. Like, look at those fucking gams. Like fucking and then gams. Why would that? I, I like uh, the guy that uh, it's a it's a thing I like to do with my friends where it's like the guy that like is like good at talking dirty, but always like fails with the uh, like sticking the landing. It's like, uh, hey, Chris, did you go check out that girl and grab her sweet, wet woo-woo? Whoa! Oh, <laughs> oh, it sorry. just got weird at the yeah, end. Yeah. Ugh. Did you take your wiener and put it up Don't say thing? that! That's way worse. Yeah. That Patton has that old bit where... Oh, where the, the clean version of a dirty joke. Yeah, like what you're not allowed to say on television. You, uh, couldn't, you couldn't say, like, oh, I totally fucked this girl. Yeah. But, you know, he was like... But this is something that I can say on television. That's way worse. I want to fill your hoo ha with goof juice. <laughs> it's like that's way worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes the the, the romance out of it. <laughs> <laughs> takes the edge off of it. Do you like being the? I mean, like you know, it was like with a show like Fernwood, where you sort of get to be the react. You get to be the reactor in the in the scene. Like, is that? You- I think that's what I like the most. Yeah. yeah. To do something real and, and yeah, react off someone else. That's why, that's why I, I don't enjoy doing stand-up that much. I always like to do sketches or I've worked with partners. And uh, uh, when I work with Christopher Guest, you're reacting off somebody. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a little more real to me. I like it. it to me, it's, it's so strange to get up in front of an audience. And I've never had a strong enough point of view to really rock an audience for an hour, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, this is my this is my point of view. What are we going to do about this? Um, so I, I've always kind of I started out. I want to be an actor. That that was the thing. So I tend more anything if it's acting. And when you started, it, it, so it wasn't really necessarily a comedy thing first. In terms of, were you just auditioning for anything, drama, comedy? Yeah, or yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You don't. You're trying to find your who. What do I want to be? But I found I uh, even though I do dramatic things. It, 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 there was a tone of, of comedy in it, so I, I found I was just more comfortable doing comedic things. And personally, I like uh, comedy more. I, I, every once in a while, I go to a very dramatic movie. And I say, I'm not going to go to this. I just want to laugh. Yeah. I want to go someplace where I can laugh. And the reason I like stand-up comedy, you can go for an hour and watch and laugh. Or you can go to a Broadway show that can be very funny, but you don't laugh that much yeah. in two hours. But stand-up, you can laugh and, uh, you know, really funny. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the key, I think, I mean, for, as far as I'm concerned, is insight. You, you go to see a comic who's doing, gets on some topic that you thought only you were interested in or something that only bothered you. 
I'll think in a minute of what I, a perfect thing that just I just listened to, and I said, "Geez, that's uh, it's." It seemed to be something that only bothered me. Well, there's some there. There is that idea that you know that comedy is really about one of the one of the major facets of comedy is that you're exposing a truth that you know yeah. it's it's that idea where people are like, "Oh yes," you know, and then they all. You know, there's that, that very sort of communal thing, uh-huh. which feels very primitive to me and sort of tribal and like, ah, we are all in the same tribe. Ha 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 ha. You yeah, know, uh, we are not going to murder each other. Ha yeah. ha. You know, that it's that, that there's that, that there's a safety in it. You know, there's a safety in throwing out ideas that other people immediately relate to and like, oh, we're all part of the same tribe. Uh-huh. That, yeah. maybe, that maybe comedy saved people yeah. from being murdered. And yeah. you know, and at some point, because it it you know it expressed a kinship, or you you feel suddenly that you're not nuts for being bothered by something. And here, this guy's on stage, yeah, talking about the same thing, yeah. And uh, I remember some young actress, one of these actresses, is always uh, on drug charges and doing this. She was doing some <laughs> interview, and uh, one of her pet peeves is people who don't use their turn signal. Yep, sure. And I said, oh, geez, I kind of like her now. That she had the same. Because that's one thing that drives me nuts that someone will sit there and you, or they'll be coming down the street and you wait for politely for them to come. You don't want to pull out and slowly they turn. Yep. And you want to. Uh, I always hate it when they're mid turn and then the signal goes on. Because they think that that is a part of the car that helps the turn. Yeah, they, just, uh, <laughs> they think they have to turn on the turn signal. It's like turning the wheel and taking your foot off the brake. I always think that it's just a form of nostalgia. Like, remember when I started turning and didn't want to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> like, that always gets uh, fucking mad. Well, I remember when I started to drive, you'd, you'd use hand signals. A left, I kind of forget, straight arm and, and a then, left turn. And then there, uh, yeah, oh, down? Was yeah, it I down? Can't remember. Yeah. Up, I think, was a right turn and, and uh, down, but uh, people think you were crazy now. They, they think you were uh, a yeah. shoot you. I see, I see cars that like clearly like their blinkers are broken and they're just doing that. But like they don't well, even really do the signs properly. They just kind of just point to where they're going. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think bicyclists do it now. I see yes. them do turns. But it almost yeah. looks like they're ordering you, like you stay back. Yeah. Just no, hold hold it. it, hold it there. Yeah, that's it. Nothing to see here. You yeah. don't yeah. tell me what to do. I'll drive right through your fucking yeah. arm, buddy. <laughs> don't give a shit. <laughs> You're yeah, whereas the, whereas the turn signals are more formal. It's, maybe they come down from some central location. Yeah, the <laughs> so turn signal. Well, you got to observe this. Are you writing any books anytime soon, or what are you gonna what what are you what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Write a book? Well, I wrote uh, I, I wrote a movie. I got an idea for uh, a cartoon thing. I got to figure out what to do with it besides just tossing in the trash. Uh, <laughs> uh, I used to write things, and but I'm easily uh, dissuaded. I, I used to write. Ideas. I I I take it out like by the third person who'd say, "Well, no, it's not for us." I'd say, "This is the stupidest thing. What am I even doing here? <laughs> Wasting their time." Until you read about great, uh, great movies that were shopped around uh, to studios and were turned down. So you, you got to have perseverance, which I really don't have. But uh, every once I sit down and write something, yeah, well, or work on something. I think it's hard. I think what's what's weird about comics in particular is that you you know any with any kind of comedy you know you you re, you sort of rely on this relationship with the audience and if you try a joke three or five times and an audience just doesn't respond then you go all right well i guess you know unless you love it so 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 much that you don't care mm-hmm. but in general it's sort of like well i guess this doesn't work and so i can see that translating where with anything, whether it's a script, you're like, oh yeah, well I guess okay. Well, I, I thought this was good, but I, I don't yeah, know. You know, it's yeah. like it's relying so much on the other side to validate the thing. Yeah, I've I've done things both in a stand-up act and in sketch shows 
that I dropped after a while. You know, they, and years later, someone will say, "You used to do that bit about I love that thing." With you, you did with the t- the guy who was uh, the guy who loved pickles. Remember that yeah, bit? Yeah. No, I don't. And then you have to if you can't find the script, you have to rewrite it, and then you do it again, and it's very funny. Yeah. So it's you know I think it's maybe the different time, or maybe it's in what it's in context, uh, uh, the audience. Yeah, I'll do that sometimes where I'll just go back to old like you know notebooks and be like, oh, maybe maybe with the fresh eyes now I can make this work. Yeah. And sometimes it works. Like yeah, there's like stuff that I tried years ago that just bombed, and then I tried now with a you know more knowledge, maybe more experience. Then then, then that's when it yeah. works. Yeah. Have you ever do you ever host shows? You ever thought about yeah. hosting shows? Well, what do you mean? Like, uh, like I'll do every once in a while there'll be a, a charity, and so they'll call me and say we'd love you to, to host it. And I say oh no, uh, but then what it does. I do. I pull out old material and I write stuff for the particular thing, and it actually ends up being great. And uh, sometimes I'll I'll find out I'll be on stage and uh, just think of things spontaneously. Let's see, where the hell did that come from? And I say it, and it gets a laugh. <laughs> but it's a pretty supportive audience, and so it's fun. You're 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 moving things along, and I I tend the hardest thing about do you do, do you host things? Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I host I host stuff. Well, the, the, you come out, you do your your few minutes up front, and then you. Suddenly, I don't want to come out and do another chunk. What I was like, okay, our next actor, our next prese- uh, presenter. But then you try to think of uh, things. It's, it's oh, a- yeah, emceeing is kind of a bummer because the, even if the crowd's nice to you, by the fifth time you're on stage, they're like, well, yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, that's why you just run it along at that point. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just going mean, to keep this moving. And if yeah. I'm in the audience, you're looking at your watch, and oh, now we still got the auction. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, just, I just meant, like, <laughs> we still have to. <laughs> I just meant the, you know, like, like game show stuff. You ever thought about like hosting a? You know, I would like a, love to host a game show. That would be fun. Yeah, it like, seems like it'd be just great. They do five in a day, and you read everything off a cue card. Yeah. Did you ever do Hollywood Squares? Oh yeah, I did it in the old day when Peter Marshall was the host. Whoa! When I was starting out, they uh, and I, I, uh, they would take us to to Vegas and put us up in the, these suites at, at the Riviera, and we do like five of them in a day. Wow. And I remember Paul Land. Yes. Oh, God, he was funny. He was so funny until he had a couple of drinks, and then you just didn't want to be around him. Oh. And, um, oh, was he was, just kind of mean? Oh, he was just, there were no holes barred with it. But, when, you know, he'd, he'd wear a caftan down by the pool. And just, he, was, he was wonderful. And we, we were at parties uh, with him. And once he, 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 had, uh, he sat down with my daughter at the piano. She was just really tiny. He showed her how to play the notes on the piano. He was, he was just wonderful. And then he had a couple of drinks, and he was like, you're yeah. terrible. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? It's well, a child. But what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Hollywood Squares. And then I did it with, uh, later I forget who hosted it. And uh, I didn't know they wrote jokes for you. Mm-hmm. Until one day, uh, Paul Lynn said something and they got no laugh. He said, "Oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong punchline." And I, oh, they write jokes for him, but I had I came up with my own jokes. But it was great fun. I didn't ever host it, but I was one of the, the squares. Yeah, uh, I uh, I don't think I've ever actually hosted a game show. I've been on a lot of them. Yeah, I see. I could totally see you hosting like a fun sort of a match gamey type thing, yeah. or like a fun. I don't know, just like a. You know, not so much a formal game show, but in the sense of, you know... You don't want to have this. Uh, good evening, and time uh, to play. Uh, I'm Jack Barry. Yeah. I'm Jack Barry. And tune in next week when our... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you want to be a, a little of that, you know. Yeah. But, but still, fun guy. Drew Carey, you know, he does that great thing, and uh, um, yeah, it would be a great job. Price is Right seemed... 
I actually think Price is Right would be kind of a fun show to host. Yeah. Don't it's, you think? It's like a party. It's like everyone's excited to be there. You're yeah. giving them money. There's like, a new car! There's yeah. games. Yeah. I, mean, I think that'd be a slick job. And you job. seem very smart when you're hosting a game show. Yeah. You're a little... You're like the you're principal. You're a little above one, everyone. Yeah. It's like the principal who's come into the class. Yes, yeah, exactly. Showing. It's almost like there's almost this weird conceit that who, whoever's hosting the show must have been an expert in whatever this thing was, yeah. and that's why they were promoted yes. to run the ceremony. Uh, I'm sorry, you're so close, but not that's not yeah. right. Trebek yeah. would... To- like, Alex Trebek... I remember... Like, I would always... His his sort of take, and maybe he does know all the answers to everything, but it was, uh, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm sorry, uh, correct answer was uh, the Norman invasion. Common mistake, though, <laughs> thinking it was D-D or whatever. Yeah. You're like, it's yeah. not a common mistake. Uh-huh. It might be a common mistake at weird academic societies, yeah, but it's exactly. just that, because I did, uh, I was on Jeopardy in 97, and uh, and he sort of had that tone where it was uh, where he was... I don't know. It, it, it wasn't really. It, it wasn't like he was there having fun. It was almost like he was a little above you. He was there drinking. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he was drinking. <laughs> but I, I was hosting a show for MTV, which was a stupid dating show, and I and I missed an answer, and he kind of gave me like the common mistake thing, uh, and I was like, I know all the answers on my show too, and then that just did not endear me to him in any oh, way. Jeez. <laughs> Who else I was did. Uh, are you smarter than a sixth grader? And I said, I think I, I am, and I really studied for that thing. And I tried to think what they, they did. Are, are, you, are you smarter than a fifth grader, I think? And I learned about American geography, and there's a lot of things you don't know about American geography and where countries are. And it got up. I was playing for charity, and the final question was like $200,000, international geography. And uh, Jeff Foxworthy said, now, Fred, I would advise you, he said, the geography has changed since we were in class. So I skipped. I, I, I just stuck with the money I'd earned. And the question was, what is the body of water to the east of India? I said, oh, my God, I don't think fifth graders study that. I think when I was in fifth grade, you were still learning about Washington, D.C. and the state of Washington. And the correct uh, uh, correct answer was the Bay of Of Bengal. Bengal. Oh, you knew that? Yeah. Jonah has a fifth grade education. Yeah, that's that's where I stopped. (laughs) I figured it was all I needed to know. And how many times are you asked that, I bet? What is that body of water? This was the first time, yeah. Finally! It's not the Indian Ocean. It's something else. <laughs> well, I, yeah. So I was very glad I didn't make, make a step. Did the kids get it right? Oh, the kids knew it. Boy, those kids had their hands up. They, Yeah, they were very bright. Um, so someone's getting a good education today. It's not fair, though. You know, like, they make it. That's that's sort of the, you know, those kids have their, well, at least the academic, the ones who are, who are a little more um, predisposed to, to studying, they're, like their 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 brains are just immersed in those facts all the time. Yeah, so and I, I think they probably coach them on the not the questions, but probably in that you know let's study geography in the Middle East or over there. You know, let's review where the oceans are and then where Russia and Mongolia. Yeah. I mean, country, I thought I had a good education. Uh, I'll, I'll we'll be watching television. My wife will say, "Where the hell is you know?" Main, name some country. Say, "Geez, I don't know where it is." Because that information, that that place where that information would live, is taken up with other dumb adult life yes, things. Yeah. Uh, do you want to make an interesting show? Are you stronger than a fifth grader? That I think would be an interesting I think show. I, yeah, I think yeah. I could do that. Maybe <laughs> can you run faster than a fifth grader? Maybe not run faster, but could beat up a fifth. You could yeah. beat up a fifth could, grader. Yeah. Could you? And it's like a moral show. Yeah. Could you beat up a sixth grader? Oh, could that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Most yeah. of my adult life, no. 
Yeah. Most, most of my adult life, I would not be able to. Speaking of game show hosts, and I don't know what show he does, he's Wayne Brady. You must Wayne, know yeah. Him. He is fantastic, I, and he's hosting this game show. He does a great job. I worked with him on a show called Trust Us With Your Life. Mm-hmm. I have never seen improv uh, that, like he does. He's it's got fast. a supercomputer in his head. It, it is. It's amazing. And he, you never see him working. No. That's the thing. Is like Some people, when you, when you see them doing improv, like you can sort of see the wheels turning in their head. Yeah. But with he's him, it's just it. like this. It's, it's just like he's always got this kind of calm Completely look on his face. In the moment. Yeah. yeah. I saw him actually laying on the ground, and he seemed to rise up and just, you know, rise like Jesus would, rise. Mm-hmm. And on his feet, and after the show, I said, Wayne, how did you do that? He said, well, you got a bag of tricks. I said, I've never seen the bottom of that bag of tricks. He, had. he did broke into a Mick Jagger one day. You'd think he was doing Mick Jagger. I remember years ago at the Acme, I used to host a midnight show there, and no one knew who he was at the time. He was in a group called House, House, of, uh, House Full of Honkies, mm-hmm. uh, who, who have all split up now, but he... Uh, and we would de- try to decide who wanted to do which improv, and he'd say, I'll do any- anything. Uh, he he was game for anything. Musical improv, yeah, I'll do it. I, I was just amazed then. I said, this guy's just super Well, he's one, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, I think people, if they're super, you know, like, snarky in particular, and like, I'm like punk rock comedy, like, Wayne Brady, fuck that TV guy. And then they watch him, and they're always like, ah, Oh, yeah, shit, yeah. he's yeah. fucking good. He's good. Yeah, yeah, he's good. really yeah. good. Yeah. He's just he's just one of those guys that just that really does do like he really does yeah. do everything. It's from another like he's from another planet. Mm-hmm. He is. <clears throat> Who else have you known throughout the years? You're like shit. That person's just too. They're just two in another plane. Oh well, uh, John Cleese. I was I thought saw him years ago in, in a on Broadway in some show, and I remember Oxford Cambridge Review. I was. Very young, and I saw it. I, this guy, he just stood out in my mind. And then next time I saw him, he's on. Um, uh, really, Monty you saw Piper. him in a like a in like yeah. a university review type show? Uh, no, it, it was on. Yeah, Oxford Cambridge Review. But he, he did. I can still remember a sketch he did. And uh, <laughs> who else? It's just in a, my friend Martin Mall. Is, is, is his comedy comes from another world? Uh, what was the sketch that Cleese did at the? <clears throat> well, he was interviewing someone for a job, and he was supposed to. And the, the secretary. Uh, I I don't remember exactly, but he said to the person he was interviewing, he says, uh, "Would you get me a cup of coffee? Would you play? Can you play tennis?" <laughs> he just got it mixed up there, and uh, I was very new to comedy. I said it was so bright. Uh, he he had the same the right attitude. Uh, <clears throat> well, um, but Wayne Brady stands out. Um, Colin Mockery can do things. You know Colin Mockery? Ma- Ma- Mockery and Ryan Stiles is... Uh... Ryan, yeah. Yeah, those guys are just... have taken improv to another... Uh, just another level. It's like uh, someone once said about professional tennis, it's another game. Yeah. You say, I play tennis. No, you, this, it's another game. Yeah. Professional. What they do is, a, is another... And occasionally you bat the ball back and forth. Those yeah. people yeah, actually... Yeah, yeah. Those people actually play tennis. Yeah, I sat courtside at professional tennis games and... It's not a matter of, you know, trying to get the ball. It's just hit it as hard as they can. They know it's going to go in. Yeah. But they just hit it as hard as they can. And it's wow. It's like the grunting game, especially like men's yeah. tennis is all. Argh! Yeah. I heard they had to kind of keep that in check. Why? Like I heard that it was like it was just it was like starting to become a distraction. And so they had to ask tennis players to just keep down the grunting. Me. <laughs> Me. <laughs> this is like they put a shock collar like a dog. Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like the joke about uh, the, 
the parent. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, there are people you uh, in a different uh, a different level. Yeah. So uh, you've got the the Christopher Guest show that that you're yeah on, that's coming uh, up. that's coming up. I hope it's uh, I hope it's uh, I'm uh, I hope I'm okay. It's a funny show. Do you kind of know what you're doing for the rest of the year? Or do you just sort of no things come up or hopefully they come up. I did um, the the next Anchorman movie. That was great. Yes, was great fun. That was wonderful. I was down there with all the guys. I felt so much a part of it. Uh, oh, that's! I'm so excited for that. Was that uh, was that his big? That, what couldn't have been his biggest movie? But everyone, ever since he announced he was doing Anchorman two, fans will just say, "Are you in the new Anchorman?" For a long time, says he's. I don't know. I don't, I don't. Who will? Uh, no, people would ask me that. Oh, people just would ask you that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, are you in the new Anchorman movie? I said, I don't know, because uh, I, I they were still writing it up until they just started uh, filming it. Wow. So I don't know if that was his biggest hit. I don't know. Who knows grosses, but... Uh, yeah. I think it was, it was his breakout hit. Yeah. It was the thing that made him a superstar. Are you talking about Will, or are you talking Will. about... Will, Bill Farrell. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you were talking about... Adam McKay? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of one the same. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they kind of, you know... <clears throat> no one's ever seen them in a room together. Yes, they have. They've seen them together <laughs> all rooms. the time. Many rooms. All the time. How long was was uh, was Anchorman two fun? How, I mean, obviously it was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Did and you do you feel like they? Well, you know, I don't know. This is sort of a dumb question because it's not like you're gonna go. I really didn't find it funny at all. Like it was probably funny. great. I was judging, and they the thing that annoyed they could tell I was judging because I was sitting back smoking my pipe <laughs> during <laughs> scenes. That's right, Fred. It's your line. What? Oh, I no! Fuck note. you! It's your line. <laughs> what? It makes sense. I'm excited for Anchorman two. Um, I I actually think. You know, sometimes when you hear like, "Oh, they're gonna make a sequel all these years," and you're like, "Oh, I don't know that." That's actually one where I could see. You know what? They actually could. They like that group of guys could actually make that super funny. Sure. And those characters, you just—it's a bummer when you see. You know, especially with a movie, you see it once, and you're like, "Damn it! I'm never gonna get those characters again." Like that was it. Yeah. That was it. But I think that's the kind of movie people will flock to, even. Before they realize, is this good or bad? It's just been there. Yeah, it's like Hangover Three. People go to see it, and the reviews of Hangover Two were terrible, but still it made billions. And with that's a good problem to have. Yeah, I'll take bad reviews to uh, a couple of <laughs> to, million to, to millions of dollars. Uh, and I worked with um, since the last time I talked to you, Jerry Lewis. What? That was amazing. Yes, I got a call. Uh, they're doing a movie with Jerry Lewis. Who's Would doing you like a, movie? To, a guy wrote the script, sent it to Jerry in Las Vegas. Jerry said, and this is from the guy who wrote. He said, "I haven't done a movie in eight years, but I think I owe this one more." And it's about it's called "The Friends of Max Rose," and he plays a man about his own age, like himself, who's lost his wife, and he's kind of losing it all because he thinks he can still talk to his wife. I play his doctor, and. Um, the first thing you hear now today is that there's no, really no money. I said, well, you know, that's uh, beside the point. I'd never met Jerry Lewis. And it was just, uh, I couldn't get over, you know, I worked two days on it. And just sitting opposite him, sitting next to him. In the back of my mind, it was, I'm sitting here talking to Jerry Lewis. Because he had so many, the Dean Martin years, the uh, the the uh, muscular dystrophy years, the... The out of control years. I right. was angry. I was so nervous the night before I went in. I thought, I said, is he directing this movie? Am I going to come in? And is he going to say, you come out on a set and not prepared? That's what I was afraid right. of. But I got there and the director came to me and he said, uh, now Jerry is having trouble with lines. Huh. Um, 
so don't be upset. And I said, oh, this is a relief to me because so it became just I would deliver the line and, and someone would coach But that totally was your green light to when he comes on set, go, you didn't prepare for the... How, how long have you been in this business, Mr. <laughs> Lewis? No, but he was very charming. I wish I had a bad story about him. He, oh, he was, wow. couldn't have been more charming and friendly. And I had just got done, we just got done watching a special tribute to Danny Kaye. And one of my favorite movies of all time was Court Jester, Danny Kaye. And this special uh, about Danny Kaye, and again, he, he's one of those guys that came from a different world. You didn't, you seem, that thing where he does all the Russian uh, composers' names and the dancing and the sword fighting, and uh, you don't realize how much work goes into what he did. So I very, uh, at one point, I didn't know what to say to Jerry Lewis. I said, you must have known uh, Danny Kay, not knowing what he was going to say. But he gave me, and I, he said, oh yeah, he says he, um, he loved the workload, but he didn't like he did not like the hours. <laughs> I said, "Oh, there's an insight." Yeah, wow. It's almost like me, but I don't really like the workload. But I hate the long hours. <laughs> I like a light workload and short hours. <laughs> the opposite way. So you're not a you're not a, like a, a workaholic. Like you don't you 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 like to take some time and not. Sandwich. I do, yeah. I look back on it. I was starting things you do, you know, doing shows, eight shows a week, and uh, four, ten hours a day. It's just, it's just not. Uh, and, and you read about people who are on a series, uh, you know, sixteen-hour days. I go home, I had four hours of sleep. Yeah, I don't know. Is it worth it? Is it, is it necessary? That's what I don't think. Is it? Um, is was was is the fame part of it not fun? Like, do you want to just? Is it? Would it be nice just like? Oh, I'm just a performer. Well, you want fame, but you don't like to be recognized when you go out. At, at certain times, you like to have someone yeah. say, Oh, Mr. Willard, hi. Especially, yeah. especially with your with friends or your yeah. family. Oh, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but you don't like at an airport with, uh, how do I know you? you know, that's not, right. those, those conversations never end up well. Because right. you start listing your credits and then... Um, no, no. And then they get kind of angry because they don't know. Well, anyway, I never watch television. Oh, <laughs> I know that's Sorry. always the, I never watch television thing. I never watch television. I don't know. Well, if you don't watch television, then it's something you don't care about. So yeah. why would it matter if I'm on a thing that you've never seen yeah. before? Why are we having this conversation? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. I guess it is sort of a, it is sort of a weird thing. I, I um, Even just being on TV a little bit and... You know, if I'm in an elevator and then all of a sudden I'll see on Twitter someone go, "Hey, I saw you picking your nose in an elevator." And I'm like, "No!" Yeah, that's scary. It's just like yeah, it's, weird. It's, it's like a weird sort of uh, like a surveillance. You know, <laughs> there's like a public surveillance thing. And, and I'm it's real weird. gross though. And I well, I am I am weird it's about disgusting. it. Disgusting. Because I I have this weird thing where I always think something's hanging out of my nose, and so I'm always just kind of like, ah, I just. You know, I'll be in a conversation. I'll go, I didn't check before this conversation. How do I know there's not, like, <laughs> yeah. a, 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 a friggin' rock wall hanging out of my nose right now? That's right. And if you talk with your hand over your face, they then that seems weird. weird. Yeah. And then if you play with your nose too much, That's and they're like, what the fuck is that guy yeah. on? You know? And then if you're, you know, with a curl, and you say, is there anything in my nose? That kind of... Yeah. Women don't like that. And it's only... <laughs> right before sex. Is there anything in my nose... Well, even before that, when you're starting to think <laughs> yeah. about, is there anything in my fucking nose before I fucking make love to you? <laughs> yeah, that is a weird thing, though. I, I I do have that. I do have. I don't know where that came from. It's not like I ever had some moment where, you know, I was trying to you know make some grand proclamation and someone was like booger alert. I don't mm-hmm. know where it came from. Well, it's something you can't control. You don't know. You know, it's like something in your teeth. You don't know. You don't deliberately have something in your teeth or food on your... You know. If someone has something in their nose, do you tell them? You tell That's me all the, the time. 
I, you you should like yeah if, you should I, I'm happy because I'm tall too so it's like everyone notices you want people to you want your friends to be like hey because that's yeah, what a friend does that's what a friend does and they're not embarrassed by it but I find if someone tells me you know you got some food there uh, and momentarily I'm annoyed at that person right <laughs> how dare you we've been talking for five minutes this is the first time you said something that's what I hate like when they finally say it and you're like what what took you so long uh-huh. why did you tell me that before I met the president well I, it was a bad time. <laughs> I'll be out, you know, my wife and I will go out to some event. We go on two hours, come home. She'll say, you look terrible in that shirt. I said, now you tell me. Why do you tell me when I put it on as we're getting into the car? Don't wear that shirt again. You gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> my wife has bought me jackets, and I'll put it on to wear She's, I hate that jacket. But you, you bought it for me. I know. I just wanted you to look ridiculous for a minute. It was a bad idea. It was a bad idea. Well, uh, we're about at the end of our hour. Well, what else is in comedy? What do we talk about? I don't know. What, what, what Comics we like. Do we... Uh... We talked about comics we like. We talked about Jerry Lewis. We talked a little bit about uh, John Cleese. Uh, yeah. I love a new comic named Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, Maniscalco. Maniscalco. Yeah. Oh, he's so funny. Yeah. Very good. And not very... Uh, not. He, I, I haven't seen him for over a year, but he, he you can sit to his whole act. Not, he never goes too blue. Not too fucking dirty? Not too fucking dirty. That shit, that pisses me off. And I'll say, fuck, <laughs> waiter, what the fuck is going on? Now the British waiter. <laughs> bloody is a dirty word. I never figured that out. Bloody, that's a no-no word in England. Bloody, bloody. Bloody hell. We had a friend, uh, well, anyway. Uh, no, you just started a story, and then you... Yeah, a story. Well, the first time I was with this comedy group, called, uh, we went to London, and my our friends were kind of pretentious friends. They, they Immediately, they were British the first day we were there. Sure. And they were in a, a restaurant, my one friend, and he asked the waitress for... Could, they need a napkin. He said, waitress, could we have a nappy? Now, in, in, in London, a nappy is a baby's mm-hmm. uh, diaper. Please tell me so she brought him that. No. <laughs> There you go. What is this? I got a good laugh. Yeah, happy. <laughs> and I also found working on the show a uh, no, where is a a fanny is a very different dirty word. It's, it's in, a vagina. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we were using it when uh, fanny for you know fanny pack. It's yeah, a, your rear end is your fanny. How do these things get? Uh, it's uh, how do words change meaning? Yeah. Why do we call Munich Munich when the Germans call it München? Why mm. do we pick that up and call it Munich? Who are we? To we're re- dicks. Ed? We just have to tell them how to yeah, use their yeah, own language. Right, Deutschland. Yeah. Deutschland, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that I do have to run to the store and pick up a pussy pack. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> oh, that fits over your rear end, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah hey, yeah. come on, Fred. Your show? Why you got to bring right. it to the butt? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You just yeah. made it really dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the testicle bag that you wear over your shoulder, that's a, that's a new thing because it's better, you know, like... That's the, the new thing. First. <laughs> you go and ask for a ball bag. What? Uh. The thing you wear around your shoulder. <laughs> In England, it has a whole different meaning. I mean, those British are filthy. <laughs> um, now, let me ask you one question. Please. If you do a special, you say you did a half-hour comedy special. Yeah. Or an hour, I watch comics, but then will that draw an audience to come to see you in the club, or do people say, well, we saw him, and he was great? Well, as long as you don't do the same exact set. But how do people uh, know that? There is they'll all ask you. Yeah, they'll ask you. Like on, Well, now they'll ask you on Twitter. They'll go, hey, if I come see the show, is it going to be the oh, jokes I already saw? Yeah. And you'll go, no, because you, once, you, once you're special, Airs, you kind of really can't do those jokes yeah. on stage anymore. Yeah, but like a musician, isn't that funny? Because a musician, they want to see the the greatest hits, and a lot of times I'll go to see a comic, and I want to see him do a bit. But, uh, but I've but, seen him do. But a joke is like a magic trick, you yes. know? Like it's it's like a magic trick because like once. 
people see the turn. That's why Tom, you know, like Tom Lehrer would do these, perfect these songs and record them and then just not do them. You go, well, people have heard them. Like, uh, why do but there are types of jokes that can work on repeat, which is more of those kind of sketch jokes where it's, you know, the comic brings up a, a premise and then, you know, does a voice and acts out that character on stage. Those yeah. are always fun to see. Those That's are true. fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. want to see a bit. Yeah, but not like a, you know, a twist and a punch. Uh, necessarily, you don't need to see those again, but you wouldn't no. mind seeing this performance. Right. Yeah. You have solved that problem for me. Thank you. You're, I uh, never realized that tweet a comic say, yeah, virtually you're saying you're going to be funny. Am I going to enjoy you? Oh, yes. Mm. But then you're putting your stick your neck out. Aren't yeah. You? <laughs> oh, yes, you're going to be. Am I going to laugh? I... Yeah. <laughs> you're funny. You're, you're, you're on Twitter as well, which is very. Yeah. Are you, is it Fred Willard or un, Fred underscore Willard? Was I don't it? know. <laughs> I'm going to find this <laughs> out. Or a way to find out. I'm going to find this out for people. It's fun to listen to someone Google. Bloop, 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 bloop. Fred Willard. Oh, damn it. Not Fred Quillard. Hey, I just got a text. I'm on your show right now. Oh, hey. This is great. <laughs> Fred, did you know you're on the Chris Hardwick show? You are Fred you're, underscore Willard. That's what I oh, thought. Fred oh. and then an underscore. I'm not sure what that means. but Well, it's that little that little under. There's a line oh, between okay. the two because some, some, other, some other guy parked Fred Willard. There's an author named Fred Willard. Well, that's not fair. Yeah. He should really be. You're the more famous yeah. Fred Willard. I've you, never read By him. rights, you yeah. deserve the name. I've never read his books, and I, but uh, there was a big. Uh, that must be the bane uh, of his existence. No, I am not the. I am not the actor, Fred yeah, Willard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I express things with. I never have to say no. I'm not the writer, Fred. Willard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll have to tell people at the top of the podcast. Our guest is Fred Willard. No, not the writer. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Incidentally, I just took on a big project at our house. My wife had some bushes cut down. There was a big panel in front of our house that now uh, was looked very uh, mottled. Um, I said, I'm going to repaint it. Now, that uh, sounds easy. It took me two days. I repainted it. It was about as big as this room. And from now on, I'm going to refer to myself when they say, uh, you know, what do you do? Fred Willard, actor, painter. Actor, <laughs> painter, yes. <laughs> I was done. I was, after four hours, five hours... I spilled paint. There were drops. My wife, come on, you're getting paint on the bridge. That's enough experience to put on a resume. Yeah. I'm yeah. a painter. I think so. What do you paint? Oh, murals. <laughs> yeah, actor, painter. Do you still write novels? Um, <sighs> no. <a> fucking writer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Fred underscore Willard on Twitter. Um, you're welcome back anytime you want. It's always, it's always fun just to hang out. Yeah, well, you have a very relaxing show, and it's fun to talk comedy. I love to talk comedy. I don't have many views on it. I mean, if I knew the solution to being funny, you know, you, people must ask you. Uh, do people ask you for advice starting out? Is, no. They don't? No, oh. they do. They ask about advice about, about starting out, which is basically just... Uh, <laughs> Which is basically just, well, you just got to start out. You just have to just do jokes and then try them in front of people. And there's no, there's no magical start line. Like, it's just, uh, well, it, I mean, it, it's remarkable how, uh, how anticlimactic it feels to start doing yeah. comedy. It's like, well, yeah. you just go up and you start doing it. And, it, you know, that's it. Jerry Seinfeld said something once that was kind of chilling. He says, comedy is hard if you're not funny. <laughs> yeah. And I suddenly realized all the times I've told stories about being on stage and not you know, bad audiences. I said, was I just not funny? Which is very, obviously I wasn't at that time for that audience. Other times was I so funny that people laughed at things that just came to my head and weren't, I didn't mean to be funny. Yeah. And they laughed. But so it's, um, well, that's why the audience sort of, you know, that's why it's sort of a relationship. And in some cases you, you kind of know, like this will probably be funny. And then other times you're sort of surprised like, oh, that, you know, like there, there are some bits that I have that, 
just in sort of riffing with the audience came out. I didn't think were particularly funny. And then they would laugh, and then the next show it would get a laugh, and the next show, and I and I still go, I don't, I really understand why this is funny, but yeah. I guess if uh, this uh, is what you're enjoying, then here's a heaping <laughs> spoonful of it. You yeah. know, it's, I don't know. I, I think you know we don't always know, and the audience in our head is not always. I mean, I, I, I always assumed. Well, the better you get at comedy, the more in tune the audience you're in your head gets with the audience who's actually coming to see you. Like uh-huh. the more. The more you have an understanding of, like, yeah, this will probably kill, but I still don't really feel like, eh, I don't know, I still don't feel like I really exactly know. But you're at the point now where people come to see you, which is yeah. Great. And I, what I admire the most is the comics who come out on a TV show, their first TV appearance, because they're coming out. What you're saying is, I'm funny and I'm going to make you laugh. So, and it's always interesting to me how most of them get around that and you end up laughing at them and it's uh it's, it, it, it's hard to grab people in 6 minutes especially if yeah. you if you're used to doing an hour yeah. it's like you know so much of what your hour can be is like hey you have a little bit of chance to contextualize everything it's there's breathing room but with you know with 6 minutes or 5 minutes on television it's like you better there's no there's no getting to know me period it's like you have to come uh, yes. out swinging yeah. yes. and it better connect or that's uh. it Yes. Or people just go, that guy's not funny. Like, yeah. oh, but you saw a six-minute... No, no, fuck that guy. I got no more room. I got no more room. I got no more room for that. I got no room for facts about bodies of water outside India. I got no more room for any of it. Yes. Mm. It's like a pinch hitter coming into a baseball game. Yeah. yeah. Saying, ah, he's going to get a hit <laughs> and save the game. And then uh, more times than not, it's a strikeout or a grounder to shortstop. And then, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> ah. the, hit is, makes, the hit, though, makes it all, worth, all worthwhile. Well, it is that one sort of, uh, you know, if... If you have my very first comedy like stand-ups that I ever did, uh, I killed, uh, and then it took a and so I was hooked, but it took a while before that happened again. Oh. But it was still enough where I was like, God damn it! I know that it, oh, it can happen, <laughs> you know. So it's sort of a I can never tell if it's good to kill your first time or bomb your first time. I, I just yeah. feel like if you have the comedy gene, you're gonna like if you have that need, you're gonna do it no matter what. Yeah. And if you when people say how do I start, I, you kind of go well. If it's really important to you, you'll if you can't stay away, then you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's not fun advice. Like step one, you know, at six thirty p.m. have a yogurt. Yeah. At six forty-five, you know, open your notebook. At seven, like, there's not. It's not really that there are steps. It's just sort of. It's shocking how. It's really just. Well, you got to just do that. Yeah. Just list do four it. things that annoy you, and put down what is funny about them in the right <laughs> column. That was the old. Uh, that that was the. I remember that that was the Judy Carter's stand-up comedy book. Oh yeah, that I bought when I was in college, and the, and it, and as much as people made fun of it, we're like, oh, you can't learn stand-up comedy for a book. No, you can't learn stand-up comedy for a book. But what you can learn from a book is, you can just learn ways to, like, yeah, like write down five things you uh, hate, write down five works. things you love, because what it, it opens up that trap door, opens it up, more funny, fun gets you thinking. Yep. Yeah, hey, I'm gonna thinking. go home and do that. Five things that annoy me. Because honestly, things. people who don't know how to start wouldn't even think to just like. I think people just wait for the lightning to hit them. Rather than like, well, you kind of got to crank the lightning machine if you want the lightning. Yeah. Just you know, like you have to sort of get the process going, and then you know, it, it's, if you just sit around and wait for it, it may happen or it may not happen. But you, I think you know, you're more in control of it than people realize. Um, well, I uh, uh, I think we're about at the end. 
I'm at the end. <clears throat> yes. I mean, we all took cyanide pills at the beginning of the... I didn't tell you guys, but mm-hmm. this is the end. Oh. So if yeah, you just want nice to go out. wait out these last couple of minutes as, yeah, I'm we, fine uh, with that. Yeah. as we drift into the abyss together. I kept it under my tongue. I fooled you both. Damn it! Oh. Fred Willard! Ah. This is the worst suicide pact. I knew. I knew it. I knew it. Why didn't we should have signed the pact? <laughs> Clearly, he's just a liar. <laughs> I just swallowed mine while I was laughing. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Best friends again! <laughs> I will haunt you, Kyle! Oh, no. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by LegalZoom.com. Whatever your legal document needs, LLCs, wills, trusts, trademarks, and more, they've got it. Over 12 years and 2 million Americans have used LegalZoom. Start your business or protect your family today at LegalZoom.com using the offer code NERDIST. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.